0: My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flack. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is May 8th, 2016, so happy Mother's Day. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara, and on today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about cars. Now, if you're not a big gearhead, don't worry, we're not going to get into The nuts and bolts, pardon the pun, of cars. Uh, Instead, we will be talking about my propensity to destroy them. And all the great traffic violations and accidents and horrible things uh, that I did to vehicles as a child. So I know it's been a while since we recorded. I have been putting all my notes on my handy-dandy Commodore 64. So as I load those up, that will give us a few minutes to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Well, I've had a lot of people ask where I've been and where I have been is finishing up the semester of my, uh, master's program, my, uh, professional writing classes. I did two classes this past semester, one for writing the novel and another one on mass communications, uh, during the writing the novel class, I wrote over the past four months, I wrote a 50,000 plus word novel which I turned in last week. So that is done and gone. <laughs> it has been a long journey. It's been a great learning experience. I don't know that the novel itself is that great, but learning how to put things together, how to, uh, you know, do the entire process from beginning to end has been, uh, a really great learning experience. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what I'm going to write in the future. The communications class was interesting. It probably wasn't, uh, as, uh, maybe not as many things as I'll take forward, uh, in the future, but it was good to brush up on presentation skills and, uh, writing APA style papers, which I haven't done in at least 10 years. So, uh, both of those were, were, uh, you know, what is it? Um, uh, Stephen Covey talks about, uh, keeping the, the sharpening the blade, <laughs> uh, and so that, that was definitely a class that, uh, helped me sharpen a blade that hasn't been used for a while. So, uh, I feel like, you know, when you run into a friend and you say, Hey, what have you been up to? Uh, and you haven't seen that person in, you know, a few years and it's impossible to say every list, everything that you've been up to and that's how I feel uh, tonight with you guys. It's impossible to cover everything that I've done over the past month. Um, but, uh, everything has been neglected. (laughs) Everything outside of my job and my family and my school has fallen uh, to the wayside over the past, especially the past month where I've been trying to finish up school. So, uh, now school is done for the the spring semester, and I'm not taking any classes during the summer. So I'm looking forward to a break uh, from school for a couple of months and picking things back up in the fall. In the fall, I'm taking a nonfiction writing class and a class called tutorial where you actually spend one-on-one time with one of the writing professors and you show them what you're working on and they uh, evaluate it and give you advice. So I think both of those classes will, will help me in what I'm looking to write uh, in the future, I meant to mention on the last episode, and I forgot that I met up with, uh, David Popadik, who is one of the listeners of, uh, this show and lots of my podcasts. And David was on a road trip, uh, driving from, uh, I think Wisconsin, uh, but I, eh, I hope that's right, but I know he was driving to Texas and that took him down I-35 straight through Oklahoma city. He was looking for a place to play pinball and I recommended Cactus Jacks. And so he went to Cactus Jacks and I drove over and met him. And, uh, I don't think we played any pinball while I was there because I wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> so, uh, I spent the whole time talking and, and, uh, but we had a good time and the kids, my kids played some video games. Uh, I think more than that, they played crane machines. That's usually what they uh, do at Cactus Jacks, but, um, uh but we had a good time and so it was nice to uh meet david and and i know he said that uh, his daughter listens to the show so uh i saw david recently i know he went to the texas uh the pinball festival that's down there he went to that and it looks like they they do a lot of gaming together as a family and that's pretty cool so uh like i said it's always uh good when it works out when you can meet a uh, uh a listener when they're passing through town or whatever or when i'm passing through their town uh so that's always neat uh, and speaking of arcades and cactus jacks don't forget that i have started another podcast called cactus flax on that show i am going through every arcade game that i physically owned I'm going to do about 50 episodes of that and so hopefully later this week I will be releasing episodes 8 and 9. I was going to record those tonight but after I got about 15 minutes into this the first time audacity locked up. I've never had audacity lock up but I also haven't rebooted this laptop in uh <laughs> probably a month or two so that that's probably my fault on that. Uh so I may not have time tonight to do uh, a cactus flax episode, but definitely later this week. And if you want to find the, the links to that, you could go to dot forward slash podcasts. And that has links to all my shows. So, uh, that's pretty much it. That's everything that's going on uh, right now. If you have feedback about this episode or any other episode of you don't know flack in general, you can email your feedback to me at robohara at robohara dot com. Drop me a message on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash. You don't know flack follow me on Twitter at Commodork, or leave me a voice message on my podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. With that, let's get started talking about cars. Now, I grew up in a family of people who loved cars. My parents were both car peoples. My peoples (laughs) people. My, uh, dad talks about what kind of car my mom was driving. When they met my mom remembers what kind of car my dad was driving. I know my mom had a GTO at one point, right after they got married, they had a Jaguar. Um, and, and the whole time I was growing up, they always had at least three vehicles. There was always my, my mom had a car, my dad had a car, and then they would have some car on the side that they, uh, enjoyed, you know, like, a. um, you know, a fun car. Like, you know, for a while, my dad had a blazer. Uh, my mom, my dad had a blazer, a 75 blazer. That was a convertible, you know, the top, not just the back, but it came off the the cab. Uh, and then he put a 71 Corvette Stingray engine in the blazer. So it was the world's fastest blazer. Uh, but he had the blazer. My mom had a station wagon and then she bought a 74 Cadillac convertible that she had. And then my dad had an MGB that he drove for a while. You know, so there was just uh, a lot of times my dad, instead of having a car, had a a motorcycle on the side, but uh, you know, they they kind of raised me with this idea that cars were more than just transportation. Cars were something to be enjoyed. Uh, They should be something that you drove that was fun. And so I think the whole time, at least since I've, you know, uh, been able to I mean since I've been married for sure we've always had at least 3 vehicles at the house sometimes 4 um well, a couple of times 5 and there's only two people uh old enough to drive so uh you know I I've definitely uh, uh followed in my parents footsteps when it comes to my opinion of uh, or my attitude towards cars that, you know, you definitely want to have a car that's a daily driver and that gets you around, and does whatever. But it's also fun to have a motorcycle or a fun car on the side. And, uh, and I try to do that. Now, in Oklahoma and in a lot of states, uh, when you are 14 years old, you can get a motorcycles driver's license. Now, I had grown up riding motorcycles. I got my first, first uh, motorcycle, I think I was probably third grade. And, uh, so I, so I had grown up riding motorcycles. I was very comfortable on a motorcycle. And, uh, when I turned 14, which would have been in 1987, I got a 1984 Honda CBR 125, a little red street bike. It was really a cute little bike. And, uh, you know, my parents gave me all these rules. Like you have to stay in town. You have, you can only legally, you were only allowed to go 35 miles an hour. Uh, and they said, as long as you don't, you know, get in trouble or or get tickets or whatever, there, there won't be a problem. And I didn't get a ticket for a while, but I remember, uh, during the winter I was driving home from school and, uh, you legally, you had to wear a helmet, uh, especially if you're underage. And, uh, so I had my helmet on and this police officer pulled out behind me and was so close behind me. He was tailgating me. And I got really nervous. So I was driving and I was making sure I was doing the speed limit. Speed limit was 35. I was doing the speed limit. And uh, I guess I started breathing heavy and the inside of my helmet fogged up. So I flipped open the visor. And the minute I flipped open the visor, uh, the officer turned on his lights. And so I was like, oh, great. So I pulled over and the officer pulled over and he walked up. And asked for my driver's license and insurance, and I gave that to him. And then he asked if I knew why uh, he had pulled me over. And I said, no, I have no idea. You know, I was doing the speed limit. I was doing everything. And he said, well, you were driving without eye protection. And I said, I, no, I have this visor. And he says, well, you pulled your visor up, you know. And I said, well, I pulled it up because it was fogging up, you know. And uh, he said, well, he said, and this is what he told me what would you have done if a bug would have hit you in the eye? And I thought about it for a second and I said in the middle of winter, I guess I'd have started a rare bug collection. (laughs) And that was the day I learned you don't smart off to a cop. That's about to give you a ticket. So, uh, actually what I learned also is that, um, improper eye protection is not a moving violation. That's not something an officer can pull you over for. So, he also wrote me a ticket or he wrote me a warning saying that I was speeding, uh, which I wasn't. So he lied on a ticket that said that I was speeding when I wasn't. And then he wrote me the ticket for the improper eye protection, uh, which I had to pay. I, if I recall, it was $68. I seem to remember that number in my head. So that was the first ticket that I ever got. Now on the motorcycle, you know, it was my freedom. None of my other friends uh at that age had motorcycles. So I was the one that could drive to my friend's house. So it was really was freedom to me and I didn't want to lose that. But I remember one time I had gone to I think I had gone to Cactus Jack's actually and and was at the arcade and and uh so when I was coming home I thought I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna drive on the interstate and come home. So I'm on the interstate, which I have no business being on, especially on a 125 motorcycle. And, uh, you know, I'm in the right lane and this car passes me in the middle lane and I realize that it's my parents <laughs> and, uh, I knew I was busted and I thought when I got home, I thought, well, I'm going to play it cool. And maybe they didn't notice, you know, and they didn't say anything for a while. And then, uh, that evening my mom said, Hey, I'm, we want to play a game. And I said, okay. And she had this box and she said, uh, I want you to put everything in this box That's important to you. And I was like, oh, well, that's easy. You know, put my wallet in there, put my keys in there. And they even gave me some ideas. She was like, hey, why don't you put the power supply to your computer in here? Okay. You know, I mean, I have my Commodore, so I put the power supply in there and I put a few other things. And then she said, okay, now kiss it goodbye. (laughs) And she took the box and they locked it, uh, in their closet and I lost access to all that stuff for at least a month until uh I may have even had to write write a note or something like I will not drive on the interstate I will not go faster than 35 miles an hour something like that uh but uh, uh yeah so so and this is really a long I mean this is like a sign of things to come like me not following the rules uh when I should you know now uh I told you my dad was a car guy and he got a good deal When I was uh, maybe 15, 15 and a half, somewhere in there on a 1968 convertible Firebird, four speed, 327. I mean, this is a beautiful car. Now ours wasn't that beautiful. Ours was uh, kind of a ugly, like OD green, like military green with some primer on it, but it was a convertible and my dad was going to fix it up and that was going to be my first car. So this car sat in the driveway and he worked on it pretty much every day. And then there was what we call the lawnmower incident. So I was mowing the front lawn on our riding lawnmower and my sister came out running at me for some reason. She'd come outside the house. Now, depending on who you ask, I still believe to this day that she grabbed me by the hair and pulled me off the back of the lawnmower. Now she says that she didn't pull my hair, that I, just, for some reason, fell off the lawnmower by myself. Now, why would I fall off a lawnmower by myself? That's silly. Um, but the important part is that I did fall off the lawnmower. And when I landed on my back, it knocked the air out of me. And so I, you know, I was laying there <gasps> gasping for air like that. And when I sat up, uh, and this was not, uh, you know, we didn't have the modern technology where when you get off the lawnmower, it kills the engine. No, this riding lawnmower just kept going, and it rode all the way across the front lawn and smashed into the side of the firebird that my dad had been restoring. And, um, I remember he came to the front door and looked outside and then just walked back in the house. (laughs) And I knew he didn't even have to say anything; we knew we were in trouble. Uh, and so he sold the car instead of fixing it up again and working on it some more. He just sold it. And, uh, uh, so I did not get that car. <laughs> I was so upset. Um, but, uh, but I did get a cool car for my first car. I got a 1979 Ford Mustang with a V eight, the 5.0, just like, uh, uh, vanilla ice <laughs> it rolled in his 5.0. Uh, this was, uh, and it wasn't that old. I mean, this was in 1989. So it was 79 Mustang was 10 years old. This was the first year that they had the body style of the eighties Mustangs. Mine was the hatchback. It had, um, 160,000 miles on it. And, uh, I remember the, the very first time my dad, uh, you know, I had my permit, and he said, Well, I can go to the store and put gas in the car. And the very first time I got in the car, I peeled out in my driveway, in my own driveway. I left this big scratch. Uh, and then later, my dad came out and said, Why did you peel out in our driveway? And I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't. I was just like an insane teenager. I didn't know. I did not know why I was acting like a maniac and wouldn't. Uh, I don't think I ever did figure that out. And I acted like a maniac for five or six years. Uh, with cars, um, one, one of the rules, I would always make up fun rules in my cars. And one of the rules was anytime there was a speed limit sign on an off ramp that you should try to double that. <laughs> that was one of my rules. So if it said, you know, caution, 25 miles an hour, I would try to do 50. And, uh, the very first time that I took my wife out, uh, in my car, I mean, you know, we were, we were in high school. It wasn't my wife then. Uh, her sister worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken and said if we came up there, she would get us free dinner. And uh, so I picked her up, and we went on the interstate, and the off-ramp said 35. And so I tried to do 70, and the car spun out of control. And uh, we we drove off the embankment <laughs> and ended up getting a flat tire. And so down in this grassy hill, we had to change the tire on my car. She had to help me because I didn't know how to do everything like the Jack and all that, you know? Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, the first time that, uh, I took her anywhere in one of my cars. I uh, got a flat tire and, um, and the hubcap flew off. So we had to go looking around for the hubcap. And in fact, that's not even the only time that I lost a hubcap, um, that, that winter. And by the way, I only had this car for six months. So you can put all these stories in the timeframe, um, of uh, six months, We were in the, or I was, uh, or I think Jeff was with me, and Jeff and I were in the Walmart parking lot, and uh, it was winter, so there were patches of ice, and I found out that um, my car peeled out really good on ice. You just turn the wheel and hold down the brakes, and I could do donuts, you know, for days, and so uh, we had been doing donuts in the Walmart parking lot and uh, got out, uh, and then we actually went to Walmart, and when we got out and I looked, one of my hubcaps was missing, And I was convinced that if I came home missing a hubcap, that the, my parents would just know they would know the only way that you could lose a hubcap is by doing donuts in the Walmart parking lot. So we go into Walmart looking for a hubcap and I can't find one that matches. And we come outside and there's a kid like in the the waiting area, like the vestibule area. Uh, He's probably 12 or 13 and he's holding my hubcap. And I was like, oh, dude, you found my hubcap. And he says, well, I found a hubcap. And I'm like, well, no, it goes to my car, you know, and and you need to give it to me. And he says, well, I'm selling it. I'll sell it to you for five bucks. I'm like, I'm not giving you five bucks for my own hubcap. And he says, well, then you can't have it. So uh, I, I told Jeff, I was like, hey, you got five bucks and Jeff's digging in his wallet and I take the hubcap from the kid and then we just start running. <laughs> we, we run out in the parking lot. This kid is yelling, they stole my hubcap, you know, and we, we run across the ice. We're slipping and sliding everywhere and we get in the car and we peel out, you know? Uh, so yes, this is proud moments that I stole my hubcap back from a child that was trying to sell it to me in the Walmart parking lot. Um, there was a, <clears throat> one day I remember at school. For some reason, I'd gotten in trouble at school. I don't remember what happened, but um, I went out in the parking lot and I started my Mustang and I revved it up and threw it in reverse and I had parked facing the school. So when I threw it in reverse, I was going away from the school and just peeled out like 50 feet, you know, and there were people behind me that like had to get out of the way. And then I took off the next day I came to school. And, uh, when I got to first hour, there was a, the teacher said, Hey, the principal wants to talk to you. And I said, great. So I went to the principal's office and I, I never went to the principal's office. I could count the number of times on one hand that I talked to the principal and, uh, the principal said, uh, I saw your little, uh, your, your car incident yesterday and you're peeling out. And I said, oh, no, that wasn't me. And he says, well, yeah, it was me because you almost hit me. I was standing in the parking lot and I went, <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> And, um, so he banned me from parking on school property for a month <laughs> and I said, well, where am I supposed to park? And he said, that's, that's your problem, but you're banned from the parking lot for a month. And, uh, across the street from school was a dairy queen and I went over there and asked him if I could park there and they said, no. So, uh, about a, a quarter mile, I guess, away from our school was the uh, auditorium. So I started parking at the auditorium and then I would just walk <laughs> from there, uh, all the way to school. And I did that for about two weeks. And then I decided he's not looking for my car every day. And so I started, uh, parking, you know, back in the school parking lot, but yeah, I did, did get, uh, kicked off of, uh, <laughs> property for a month. Now, um, You know, along with my rule about um, uh, taking exits at uh, twice the speed, uh, sometimes I would try to scare people in my car. That's always a good idea. And so one day, um, one night I had Andy and Jeff in my car and we were driving around this parking lot and I thought, you know what? This would be a funny idea. If I turn off my headlights, it would really scare them. And so we were going and I turn off my headlights and then floored it and immediately I just felt this huge bam, like we had hit something. Uh, and then the car stopped moving and we, we, we got out and looked and I had hit a, uh, a parking block and, uh, uh, knocked it sideways and, and the bottom of the engine was sitting on it. So the front wheels were up in the air and I was, you know, trying to put it in reverse or drive or anything and it wouldn't move. So we uh, we decided if we jacked up the car that we could pull the, the block out. So we jacked up the front of the car even more, uh, but we couldn't pull the concrete block out. So then we came out with the idea, uh, to just put it in neutral and shove the car over and it would fall off of the block, which is what we, we did. But the way that the engine had landed on the block, it broke, um, the oil pump that pumped oil through the engine. Uh, and so the, the oil light was on, but I thought it was just because, you know, we had, um, you know, the car had been on an incline like that. So I drove it home basically with no oil and, uh, blew the engine. (laughs) So my dad, um, of course I didn't tell him what had happened. You know, I was like, Oh, I have no idea what happened. I literally was driving it doing four miles an hour (laughs) or whatever you tell kids, you know, and. Or you tell your parents. And um, I was like, I, I swear I have no idea what happened. And, and you know, the, the, bat, the thing that makes me feel guilty is I think sometimes they believed me. <laughs> um, so my dad ended up putting another engine in the car, but it was a bigger engine. And he said, you know, as long as you take care of it, it'll last. And I said, okay. And I went out and I floored it and broke the transmission. And then after that, he says, well, we're going to have to get rid of the car. So, um, uh, and now I, I should, I probably should have told you this up front, but what I've done here is I've made a list of all the cars I've owned since I was 16 till the cars that are in my driveway right now. I'm not going to talk about every one of them. I'll be skipping a lot of them or, you know, I, I guess I could just mention what they are. I don't have stories about all of them, but, um, but I do have some really good stories, uh, about quite a few of them. So, uh, so I, I kind of had this pattern growing up where I would get a car and destroy it. And then I couldn't afford another car. So I would get a, a, a motorcycle. So I got a 1980 Yamaha Virago 750 and I drove that for a couple of months or, you know, uh, until my parents had enough money to buy me another car. So the next car I got was a 1984 Buick Regal, which kind of looks like a Monte Carlo. It's that kind of car, you know? And, um, Uh, it was a V six with a turbo. So it was really fast. And, uh, this little old lady owned it. It was in really good condition. And, uh, my dad said, you know, the great thing about this car is that it's fast, but you're not going to, I mean, cops are not going to notice it. They're not going to be following you and giving you tickets all the time. And I said, okay, I'll try, you know, and I drove it. Uh and it was it was pretty quick, you know, but I just hated it. Just looked like a grandma car, you know, and I hated it. And now looking back, man, I should have kept that car. I mean, it was in such good condition and he was right. You know, cops didn't, you know, pay me any attention, uh but, you know, that's not what I wanted. I wanted it to be fast and loud. So, um we ended up uh selling that. And and I tell you, I got this one story about that car is uh I remember one time I was at work. I was at, uh, working at a pizza place and the starter went out and I called my dad and he brought his tools up to my work and he got down in the parking lot, you know, and he was laying on the ground and, uh, he said, um, uh, Hey, will you go inside to get like a pizza box or a piece of cardboard for me to lay on? And I was like, okay. And, uh, so I went inside and then uh, my friends were there and they were like, what's going on? I was like, oh, my dad's fixing my car. And then these other kids walked in. I was like, oh, I could get you free drinks, you know, because I work here. And so I got them drinks and we we're sitting there. And then, you know, finally, it was been like five minutes or something. And finally somebody said, oh, you know, so what are you doing? I was like, oh, my dad's outside, you know. And so I grabbed this box and I went to the door. And to me, this is just like a scene from a movie. Like I can still see this today, just like I'm looking at uh, a poster or something. And my dad is laying under the car working on the engine and now it's raining. It's like a soft drizzle. And I've been inside like getting free drinks for people and not bringing the cardboard out. And, and that's like, I know it's a little thing, you know, but that's like a regret from my life. (laughs) Like I still think about that sometimes. Like how selfish was I? that my dad is out there laying in the rain working on my car and I couldn't just go in and get a piece of cardboard and come back out. Like, I mean, I've literally thought about that, you know, every now and then I just think, what a, what a horrible thing as a kid. You know, kids are stupid. I was at least, um, just selfish, you know? But, uh, anyway, we, I, I just told my parents, I was like, I hate this car, blah, blah. And so they sold it. And my dad found a 1979 Formula Firebird. So this was, you know, a 79. This looked like basically, um, you know, the Bandit's car from Smokey and the Bandit. Not with the big, goofy uh, uh, decal on the hood. This car was all black with a red stripe down the side, and then below that, it said formula on this big gray thing. So if I was looking for something that would attract the attention of every police officer within miles, I was driving it. I mean, this, uh, you know, just shouted, give me a ticket. <laughs> uh, I peeled out in this car so much that I was friends with... Uh, the guy that owned a, a used tire place down the street from my house. And so I would go about once a month and spend 10 bucks and put used tires. I was constantly putting tires because I peeled out so much in that stupid car. And, and, um, you know, I'm always telling stories about my buddy, Andy and my buddy, Jeff. Well, Andy had a 78 Camaro, what was black. And, uh, Jeff had a, a 1980 Camaro Z 28 that was white, and so, and mine was a black firebird. So we would park together at the school park a lot and we just looked like badasses. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it was, those were the cars. I mean, I, I remember there was these, uh, these two kids in high school and, uh, they, when they turned 16, they both got matching Honda preludes. And everybody was like, wow, they both got brand new Honda preludes and all. And I was like, I don't want a Honda prelude. I want a muscle car, you know? So I, I wouldn't have wanted a brand new Honda. I wanted exactly what I had. I just thought it was so cool. And, um, I thought it was so cool that when I left, you know, I probably had it for a week and then left school parking lot, peeled out, took off and got a ticket for running a stop sign and doing thirty-one and a twenty five. I was the master of getting multiple tickets. Like each time I got pulled over, I wouldn't just get one ticket. I would get two or three uh tickets at a time, you know. But um uh that car phew, man, <laughs> that car got me in so much trouble. I mean not bad trouble, but just ticket here, ticket there, you know. Uh and then there was one night Uh, Well, uh, just to give you an example, uh, one night I was going through a neighborhood and and, uh, Jeff's car had broke down. So he was driving his mom's van. So I was driving. I think I was going to Jeff's house and his mom's van or, you know, so he was driving the van and the van. I pulled into the neighborhood and the van was at a four way intersection and it was late at night, but I could tell it was their van. And then there was a car at the other on the right hand side of the four way stop. But as I came up, neither car was moving. So I just went around the van and drove through the four-way stop. Well, the car that was on the right, well, first of all, I should say it wasn't Jeff's mom's van. It was just some person in a van. But the car on the right was a police officer. So he turned his lights on and followed me uh, and pulled me over. And this is the first time an officer ever said this. He came up to me and said, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. And I got a ticket for, I think, driving into oncoming traffic. I think that, is that a ticket? you could get, I think I got that. I got uh, failure to yield running an intersection. Um, yeah. So I was always just like racking up tickets. <laughs> um, and, uh, so here, here's a good story about that car involves that car. Uh, I went over, I had this friend, uh, Bill, and we went to go with both of us. Bill and I both spent the night at my friend Scott's house. So we went there, and it was about nine o'clock at night, and we decided to go to Taco Bell, go get some food. So, uh, we go to Taco Bell at nine o'clock, and we pull up in the firebird. Of course, it's you know blah 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 blah. I mean, it was it's just and that car. Just being in that car made you feel cool, you know. And um, we order our our tacos, and we pull up to drive through, and there's this blonde girl in the drive through, and she's like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hey." <laughs> And she says, is there anything else I can get you? I go, and I gave her a dollar bill. And I said, why don't you write your phone number on this dollar bill and give it back to me? And uh, so she said, why don't you just come by about 1 o'clock? I get off work. Why don't you just come by here and pick me up? And so I'm like, all right, I will. All right. And so we drive off, and then we're like, hee, he, he. <laughs> This girl wants us to pick her up at 1 o'clock. And so we drive back to Scott's house. We eat our tacos. And um, <clears throat> now it's like, you know, 1230 and, um, we decide we're going to sneak out of Scott's house and take the firebird, (laughs) go pick this girl up and take her to the kettle because the kettle is, uh, the 24 hours, kind of like Denny's or IHOP or whatever. It's like our little 24 hour, uh, diner place. So we go, uh, and we can't start the car because the car is so loud. So we put it in neutral and and I make Jeff and or uh, uh, Scott and Bill, push the car a few houses down and then we start the the car and go to Taco Bell. And this girl's waiting for us, you know? And, uh, so, uh, anyway, we, uh, uh, go to the kettle. And I think between me, Scott and Bill, I think between all of us, we had about $3, maybe a few more dollars. Cause we ordered uh, a plate of nachos for the four of us to split and four waters. And I'm sure this girl was, definitely impressed, uh, with our, our spending ability. Uh, so we drank our water and ate the nachos and all this and, um, uh, took her home and came back to Scott's house. And when we got to Scott's house, all the lights were on and we could see Scott's mom sitting at the front table or the kitchen table waiting for us. So we dropped Scott off and said, you're on your own buddy. (laughs) So Uh, we dropped Scott off and Bill and I drove my firebird out into a field. And my plan was to wait. My mom went to work at like seven in the morning. So our plan was to sleep in the car, uh, until about seven Oh five, wait until my mom uh, went home or went to work. And then we would go to my house. And, uh, so anyway, uh, that's what we did. We, we s- tried to sleep in a firebird, which is about the most uncomfortable thing to sleep in. Uh, and then went to my house at 7.05. And when I got there, my mom had not gone to work because uh, Scott's mom had called everyone's mom in the middle of the night looking for us. And so my mom was up all night worrying <laughs> where we were. And so when I got home, she started yelling and all this. And I was like, listen, I know we're in trouble I know, you know, that we messed up, but I am so tired. (laughs) So I'm going to go to bed and you can yell at me later. And so I think we all agreed on that. And then she went to work and I got in big trouble later, (laughs) the firebird. Uh, But the firebird got me in plenty, plenty of trouble. Uh, And then we decided, my parents decided maybe I didn't need to be in a firebird. So they said, we're going to sell the firebird and we're going to buy you a new car. And I was like, really a new car. This is uh, the beginning of my senior year. This is in October of my senior year. And so we went to the car dealership and they had picked out a brand new Yugo. Now the Yugo, I looked this up on uh, Wikipedia earlier. The Yugo came with a 1.1 liter engine that was 55 horsepower Uh, and it said, uh, it got 30 miles per gallon, which is okay. And then it says it had a top speed of 86 miles per hour, which made it the slowest car sold in the United States. Uh, so this was not a speed demon. If I was getting tickets in the Mustang and the Firebird, I think my parents thought that the, um, that the Yugo might slow me down a little bit. So uh, I got it, uh, right around the beginning of October of uh, this would have been, um, let's see, October of, I think 1990. Yeah. And this was a 86. Now it was a, uh, the thing about this car is that even though it was an 86, it, w- it was still new. It had sat on the lot and hadn't sold in four years. They couldn't give, Hugos away we paid uh, the sticker price which was dollars 95 so we paid thirty five hundred dollars for a new car. Um, people called them death traps they said they wouldn't last. Hugo was giving a ten year hundred thousand mile warranty just to try to to sell these things uh, so i I was I was pleased as punch and so like I said, it was October and the first thing I did was I went to this Halloween store. And I bought two big stickers. One was a skull and one was a grim reaper. And I stuck them right on the back window. And, um, uh, I, I was, I was driving. And so <laughs> this is a weird story. Um, uh, I was, I mean, all of my friends were, we weren't like, you know, obese. Uh, at least I wasn't back then, but you know, my friends were all like bigger dudes. And so, uh, we were in the, the, the uh, Yugo one night, and, and there's four of us in the Yugo, so there's not a lot of breathing room in this car, you know? <laughs> and we were driving, we drove by this guy's house, and uh, it, it was a guy's house that like, he was just outside, and we kind of knew him, but didn't really know him, and so I just honked. I was like, beep, you know, like that, and we waved. Well, the guy gets in his car and starts chasing us, you know? And... um and I was like, why is he chasing us? And he's flashing his lights and honking. And he's like, acts like he's going to ram us, you know? And we're like, what is this guy doing? And, uh, it turned out later, I guess somebody had been like harassing their house, like honking and, and throwing eggs at his house. And I guess he thought it was us or something, you know, but uh, we had nothing to do with that. So I, they're like, you know, my buddies are like, you got to lose him." Well, you know, this is a car with, has 55 horsepower (laughs) and there's four big guys in it. So we're not losing anybody, you know? And so I went in this neighborhood I went this way, this way, and I finally pulled into a dead end. There was nowhere to go. And this is like in the movie, this would be the showdown moment, you know? And I was like, I don't know what to do. And, 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 uh, you know, my buddies are like, what are we going to do? And finally I said, all right, everybody get out. And so the four of us got out of the car and it's like four big guys piling out of this car. And then the car behind us, like just does a quick U-turn and takes off. (laughs) That's like the only time where, uh, you know, you're finally like, all right, we're going to stand up for ourselves. And then the other person like ran away. (laughs) That is not normally those stories of my childhood ended up with me getting my ass kicked (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, so anyway, um, so I had the Hugo and, um, I, for some, some reason, somehow, some way, my senior year, I got, uh, uh, I got voted into student council. I got elected into student council. Uh, and so I was with a bunch of people. I, the thing about student council was in my school, student council was all the popular people. Uh, and I was not a popular people person. I was not popular. But what I was is I was the guy that was popular in every demographic. You know what I mean? Like I had friends that were in gifted class. I had friends that were in regular class. I had friends that played sports. I had friends, you know, so I was in all these different groups. And so somehow uh, I there was enough people that voted for me that got me into student council. So, and these were the two guys that had the matching Honda Preludes. They were in student council and, and there was a girl that had a a um, like a one of those mid 70s like the fiberglass Corvette. She was in student council. So, this were kids with brand new cars uh you know, Corvettes, all these things and then me and this Yugo. <laughs> and there was a girl that had a brand new uh, Thunderbird. So, anyway, uh long story short, There was a student council conference and people came like from other parts of the state and you had to be a host and let people stay with you. And I had two people stay with me and, uh, we went to the conference the next day. It was, it was after school and it was raining and I was following the girl that drove that Thunderbird and someone pulled out in front of her and she slammed on her brakes and she had like anti-lock brakes and I slammed on my brakes and I skidded right into her. Bam. I mean, it was hard. And I had had this car for a month. I just, I looked up cause I wrote down the dates. Uh, I still have the owner's manual and I wrote down the dates. So it was exactly a month and I'd never been in an accident before. Uh, and so the first thing, well, first of all, I, nobody was wearing a seatbelt. So it's me and these two kids who are, you know, out of town that are staying with me. So, uh, none of us are wearing seatbelts. And I have hit my head on the windshield so hard that there's a big spot on the windshield where I hit it. And, uh, I'm like, well, okay, it's not that bad. I'm like, things are not bad because I can hear the engine running. It's running. And, uh, I get out of the car and look, and the engine is laying on the ground. Like it, the engine mounts broke and the engine just fell out of the car, but it was still laying there running. And, uh, You know, this is before the days of cell phones. So um, my parents had like gone out to dinner. Uh, So, um, you know, the police came and then a tow truck came and the cops that came were making fun of my car the whole time. I'll never forget. uh, One of the cops said, hey, you know why uh, they put a rear defrost on these things? And I said, no. And he said, to keep your hands warm while you're pushing at home. And they were laughing. I was like, that's not funny. (laughs) I mean, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny when you just totaled your car, you know, the whole front end was smashed. I mean, it was just smashed in, uh, and they called a wrecker and they hauled it off. And then the Thunderbird girl, they left, you know, and then everybody left. And there was a, and I told those kids, I was like, go ahead and go to the conference. I'm going to go call my parents. And so I walked across the street and there was a, uh, like a circle K and I had one quarter. So I called my parents and they were out to dinner. And so I left a message on their answering machine and, uh, I was like, Hey, I've been in a wreck. Um, I'll try to call somebody else and hung up. So, uh, I called Jeff, but I didn't have any more money. So I called collect. And so I called the operator and I said, I need to place a collect call. And, uh, the operator called Jeff and said, will you accept a collect call from, uh, Rob O'Hara and Jeff said, no, you tell that bum to get a quarter. And he, and, uh, she said, well, sir, he won't accept the call. And I said, I, th- I think he was joking or he, I think he thought that we were playing a joke. And she's like, well, I I can't put you through. I'm sorry. So I called back again, collect. And and he said, I guess I'll do it. And then I was like, Jeff, you jerk. I just wrecked my car. And he's like, oh, geez, I thought you were <laughs> playing a trick. And, uh, so it, his mom came and got me. Of course, my parents are now freaking out because they've come home and they've got this message on the answer machine that I've been in a wreck. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, the Yugo, here was the thing we had put the Firebird up for sale, but I only had the Yugo for a month and we hadn't sold the Firebird yet. So I was like, I'll just go back to driving the Firebird. So I went back to the Firebird, had it for a little while, and I never put oil in the engine. I had a thing about oil in cars. So one day I'm driving and all of a sudden it just starts knocking really bad. It's like clock, 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 you know? And I asked my buddy, I'm like, what does that sound? He's like, that's like bad. Like your engine's about to blow up. And there was this other guy at school that kind of worked on cars. And he said, yeah, you're going to have to do all this to the engine. And I said, I don't know anything about it. And he says, well, how about this? I've got this 1983 Monte Carlo and it looks ugly, but it runs real good. And we could just trade. And I was like, all right. That sounds good. So we literally in the parking lot traded titles. I signed mine over to him. He signed his over to me and we traded cars. And I came home and my parents were livid. My parents were like, you did what? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, the engine was all messed up on that. So I just traded for this Monte Carlo. Now let me tell you about this Monte Carlo. It was three colors of primer. (laughs) It had cream Primer. Then it had this rust kind of colored primer, and then gray primer. I mean, the whole thing was bondo and just beat to hell. Um, it was always popping fuses. I got pulled over in at one time. Uh, well, you know what? I, I I should tell you a couple stories before I tell you that. But but um, yeah, it always was popping fuses, and I mean, it just had so many problems. Uh, and I didn't care about that car at all. Like I wanted to tear that car up. Um, which is not the smartest thing, you know, uh, but there was a, a dirt road that connected between like my neighborhood and in town. And one time Jeff and I were in the car and I was driving on the dirt road and Jeff said, how fast do you think you could go on a dirt road before you lose control? And I was like, I don't know. And then I floored it and we got up to about, well, <laughs> we got up to a point where the car just started fish tailing. And I lost control. It spun around backwards. We went into a ditch. It gutted the entire exhaust out of, out of like underneath the car. So when the car finally stopped, my muffler and the exhaust and my catalytic converter, everything was sticking out the front of the car. We had to to pick it up and put it inside the car and take it somewhere the next day to try and fix it. Um, but, uh, you know. So we're sitting there and the dust is everywhere and the dust finally settles. And and I said, looks like about 47 miles an hour. (laughs) That was was my answer. And so we, we took the car with no exhaust. So it was loud, uh, to this place, this muffler place. And, um, I was like, what can you do? And he was like, well, I can't do much. You like destroyed everything. But he said he could just weld, you know, basically these pipes on and kind of fixed the muffler and he said the catalytic converter was destroyed but he could you know kind of weld it in place to where it looked like there was one i said that works for me so i th- i think we paid this guy 20 bucks he did a little welding and and we were on our way um but after that the car always backfired and so one night um i got pulled over because i didn't have any tail lights cuz the fuse had gone out and um uh And so I pulled over the, the cop got out and then the car backfired and he like hit the ground, just like in a movie, you know? And and then I was like, sorry, you know, (laughs) just backfires. And, uh, he said he pulled me over for no taillights and I was like, oh, the fuse must have went out. And so I got down and I pulled a fuse and put it in there and it was the, you know, so I got the, the brake lights working, but I'd pulled the fuse from the headlights. This is like 10 o'clock at night. So uh, you know, and then he's like waiting for me to pull off. So I, you know, trying to pull out with no headlights on. I think I followed another car and pulled into a gas station and then bought some more fuses and, uh, put them in there. I wrecked that car, uh, another time. Not, a, not as bad, but on that same dirt road, uh, that year for Christmas, I got, my dad bought me a, um, it wasn't binoculars. It was like a, a monocle, like a one. Binocular, Monocular? Is that what you call that? I don't know what you call that. But it was a night vision scope thing. And um, uh, I'm pretty sure Jeff was in the car, either Jeff or Andy. And um, I said, you know what would be cool is if we drove down the dirt road, uh, we could turn off my headlights and I could drive with the night vision thing. And they were like, ooh, that would be cool. Uh, So we started going. And, I mean, we are going, you know, 25, 30, something like that. And, uh, uh, I had this night vision thing up to my eye and then we hit a hole on the dirt road and I poked myself in the eye. and went, ah, <laughs> and then I <laughs> all I saw was stars <laughs> and I couldn't see out the thing. Uh, and I drove into the ditch. I think I might've hit a, a speed limit sign or something, uh, on the way. But, um, yeah, that, that car was, uh, uh, was pretty rough. It got, I got that car hit. I got an accident. Well, I didn't get an accident, but um, I went to a New Year's Eve party my senior year, and I parked it. It was at an apartment complex, and I couldn't find a good spot, so I I parked at a spot that wasn't really a parking spot. And um, uh, we were inside this party, and then we heard someone peel out, and then we heard a crash, and everybody was like, oh, no, there's been a crash. And then we went out, and somebody had hit my car and drove off. And uh, so we called the cops, and the cops came out. And the best we could figure this guy like drove, you know, 50 yards in reverse and ran my car. And then probably because I was parked illegally and then drove off. And, um, you know, we asked, um, I asked the cops like, well, can you write the guy a ticket? And he was like, well, who was it? And, and nobody knew we hadn't seen who it was. And then he wrote me a, uh, a ticket for uh, parking illegally. It was <laughs> I was like, oh, great. So <clears throat> that was a, a good example of, uh, adding insult to injury in that car. Uh, that was, uh, the car I had during, um, prom season. And, and, uh, you know, th- this doesn't even really belong in the podcast, but, uh, I, I went to prom and to take a long story short. We were supposed to go as a group of people, like six people and people canceled and all this. So by the end of it, it was me and two girls. So basically I took two girls to the prom and my mom let me drive her. She had a, a convertible LeBaron. And uh, so these girls were very concerned that I was going to pick them up in my Monte Carlo. And they were like, we don't want to go in your Monte Carlo. I said, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to take the LeBaron. And it was a convertible, you know. So <clears throat> when, I, when I picked them up, they wanted the top closed. But then when we got to the prom, they wanted the top down so they would look cool, you know. And then they had me drop them off at the front and then they told me to leave. <laughs> we, we were not, we were not close friends and, um, but they were okay. in being seen in a car, that was the big thing. So. So anyway, the uh, Monte Carlo, I I bought a motorcycle to replace it. I bought a a 1980 Suzuki GSX 750, which um, the GSX motorcycles look like crotch rockets now, but the older ones didn't look like that. It looked like a brick. It was just a straight street bike. This guy had um, uh, stretched it. So it was like a drag racing bike. You know, I sold the Monte Carlo to a guy for $400, a guy that delivered pizza (laughs) and he delivered pizza in it. And I bought this bike with the $400. Um, It, um, this bike was fast. This was the fastest bike at that time I had ever owned. Um, One time uh, I had a friend that had a a Cobra, uh, not not a Cobra, a Mustang Cobra, uh, which were not really very fast. And he thought he could outrun my motorcycle. And so we, we had lined him up on Sarah road. We took off and I was blown away from this guy. And, um, up ahead, there was like these birds in the road. And, uh, I always heard, like, if you saw, you know, birds or whatever, you should just don't, don't change your path because the birds will move. And, um, so that's what I did. I went right through and a bird turned around and flew right at me. I was wearing shorts and the bird stuck in my shin. Now, I always, I used to be able to find this spot on my shin. I'm looking down right now, and I, I don't even think I can see it anymore. I think it's filled in. But if you feel in my shin bone, there is a little indentation. Because the bird literally stuck, like, in the bone. Um, and, um, I mean, I remember looking down, and the bird was sticking in my leg uh, and flapping around. So I had to, you know, pull this bird, you know, out of my leg. But I did win the race, so for what (laughs) what that's worth. I knew I was faster than that Mustang. Um, But uh, (laughs) there was uh, uh, one time I remember this this friend of mine uh, had a a Grand Am. Remember they had the Grand Ams, and they they, they were pretty quick, uh, and he thought he could outrun me. We were leaving work one night, and I was on this bike, and I was like, man, you cannot outrun this bike. I'm telling you, it's so fast. Uh, and so we took off, we were going uh, down this road and when we got to the intersection, it was like a left-hand turn. So he turned left and I passed him on the inside. So I passed him basically on the oncoming lane and there was a cop, you know, sitting there. And so the cop turned his lights on and my buddy kept going and I pulled over. Of course, I was the dummy to pull over. Right. And the cop came up there and you know, read me the riot act just said, you know, when you're drag racing, you're doing all this, you know, you're going to get yourself killed. And, um, this is the only time this ever happened to me. I've heard other people you know, say the same thing, but he was in his car and he got another call. Um, and I don't know what the call was for or whatever, but he literally just drove off. <laughs> and I'm like, this is like midnight and I'm on the side of the road and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I leave? Do I wait here? And, uh, cause I, I, you know, I did a lot of dumb things, but I would never run from a cop, you know? And so I sat there for about five minutes and then I was like, I guess I leave. And so I just left. That was, <laughs> I never heard, never heard anything else about it. So, um, uh, so anyway, you know, I had this motorcycle and it was not, uh, it was not very safe. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a, a piece of work, man. The guy that had had it before me had used it for racing. It wasn't really designed to be a street bike, you know, and I was riding it one day and then all of a sudden I heard this clanging and I, I looked down and the rod, one of the engine rods just shot out from the side of the engine. It just poked right through the case. And, uh, that was the end of that one. So I <laughs> ruined another one. Uh, I think I, am not the one that did the damage on that one, but, uh, uh you know, so my parents, I had some money saved up and my parents gave me this lecture, you know, and when you're a kid, you call it a lecture. Now it was, I would call it sound advice. Uh, But they told me, they said, you know, you need to get something that's reliable. You need to get a car that's sensible, Um, not all these stupid motorcycles, not all these fast cars that have been ragged out, you know, and and break down. You need to buy something that, that, uh, you know, uh, like an actual, (laughs) a sensible car. And when a, when an adult or parent, somebody tells you that it just makes you want to do the opposite. I was working at uh, Best Buy at the time. And, uh, so I went and bought a 1972 Volkswagen dune buggy. Now this is a, a kit, a kit dune buggy. You know, if you, if you're familiar, like with speed buggy, the cartoon, it looked just like that. I mean, it was a big plastic tub with a roll bar. There were no doors. You just climbed over the side to get in. There was no top. I didn't even have a top for it. Uh, so it was a full-time convertible. Uh, and like I said, no doors, you know, you just, just climbed over the side and got in, Uh, it had two switches on the dash, one for the lights on and off and one for the wipers on and off. And it had two gauges, one for the gas and one for uh, the speedometer. That's it. That's the only thing. And on the passenger side, there was no glove box, but it had a, um, uh, like a bar you could hang on to. (laughs) So that was, uh. So I bought this dune buggy and I took it, you know, and I showed my parents and they're like, what do you think about that? And I'm sure they were just shaking their head. And by the way, this was like in November. (laughs) So when I drove it, I had to wear a winter coat and gloves and like a ski mask or a a winter hat, you know, and drive around because it was freezing. You know, Uh, I literally had a plastic Tupperware bowl that I kept in the passenger side for when it snowed and I could scoop snow out of the car. <laughs> but this car was cool. I mean, it was a cool dune buggy. Like when you drove around, people were like, wow, look at that dune buggy. I mean, it was really cool. It was blue uh, and had like, you know, the big tires on it, like a cool dune buggy would have. Uh, this is how cool this car was. I uh, I was driving... Me and my buddy Jeff were driving one night, uh, and we got off the interstate, and we pulled off on this exit, and there was a girl standing there, uh, and I don't even remember, Like this wasn't that, maybe it was 10 o'clock at night or something, I don't even remember when she was standing there, and we pulled up, we're like, hey, you need a ride? And uh, she was like, uh, kinda, or whatever, I'm like, hey, I'm not gonna kill you, we're two dudes in a doom buggy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I guess that worked. And so we were like, where are you going? She goes, well, eventually I need to go over here. And she's like, what are y'all doing? We're like, oh, we're just out cruising. She says, let's cruise. So we went cruising around town with some girl in the back of a dune buggy. We didn't even know. That's how cool this car was. <laughs> we just pick up girls in a dune buggy, you know, I uh, <laughs> literally forgot about that. Um, but, uh, anyway, I was driving at one time and I heard this loud bang from the engine, of course, it's a rear engine because it's, you know, like on a Volkswagen frame and I don't even know what blew up. Something blew up and I lost all the power. So I, I pulled over and I parked it on the side of the road and uh, somebody stopped, and gave me a ride to work. And uh, the next day I uh, got my dad to go out there and the dune buggy was gone and so we called like the police, the impound, all that, and they had no record of it. So somebody had stopped on the side of the road and stole my doom buggy. Now, I will tell you this. Um, and, you know, I was a young kid back then. So we were like, well, first of all, I didn't even get a car loan for that. I got like a normal loan. Uh, and if we had told them I didn't have the car anymore, then I would have to pay the whole loan. So I basically paid. I think uh, Doom Buggy was like 2000 and with interest, it was 2400 Uh And so I had got a year loan. So I paid 200 bucks a month for a year for a car I didn't even have anymore. It sucks so bad because I just had liability insurance. Um, but uh, so I called the police, I called, and they were like, nope, nobody ever turned it in. And so when you're a kid, you're like, what do you do? And that was it. It just dropped it, you know. And about two years ago, my wife and I, um, we decided we were going to try to track down the doom buggy. And we went and called the police and, and um, met with the detective and gave them the information and the title. And um, they basically said – actually, I, they had some sort of hit in their – In their system, but they said that with Volkswagens, it's really hard because the body doesn't always stay with the frame and all this. And they also said, you know, that it was uh, 20 years ago, and so it would be pretty tough to recover at that point. And it was uh, uh, in Kansas or something. So we were like, all right, well, at least we we found out the end. But uh, so that was the end of the Doom Buggy. And uh, my parents, I think, co-signed on a loan for me, and I bought the car that I had for a long time. Uh, when, when I say a long time in these stories, it's like two, three years. Uh, but that was my Ford Festiva. I got a 1988 Ford Festiva. It kind of looked like the, uh, the Yugo a little bit. It was red, uh, you know, a little hatchback. I love that car. And if you listen to the car stereo episode I did, this is the stereo that I put in. I put so many speakers in it eventually that it, uh, you know, would break the windshield and stuff like that. But, uh, and my buddy had a blue one and I had a red one. So we had you know, twin festivas. And he showed me this trick. This is dumb. Uh, but you get some of that like, uh, clear, uh, not clear, but like see through, uh, paper, you know, like tissue paper. And we would pull them, the dome light off and then put the paper inside the dome, inside the plastic and trim it and then put the dome light up there. But you would buy whatever color your car was. So when he turned his dome light on, it looked like the light was blue and mine looked like it was red. Uh, so these are the amazing thing, and I also put a fake um cell phone antenna on the back. I think we got it at I don't know where we got it um O'Reilly's or one of those car car places you could buy a fake uh cellular antenna and stick it on your car so that's what I did so I had this festiva <laughs> i had a, a spotlight um uh, we got the we were um we got these spotlights, I guess they're like hunting spotlights, and you plug them into your cigarette adapter. But um, what Jeff taught me was, uh, you know, street lights, uh, the street light, and this, they still work this way today, is that they can tell when it's dark. And so when it's dark, they turn on. And in the morning, when the sun comes up, when it gets so light, they turn off. So what you could do with these spotlights is, you know, at night, we would drive around and you would point the spotlight at the top of a street light, and it's bright enough that it will trick it and the street light will turn off. And for some reason, we thought this was. Uh, amazingly interesting, uh, you know, this is like our version of driving around, you know, shooting animals from the car or something. We were driving around with a spotlight, <laughs> turning streetlights off and, and it's stupid, you know, but, um, I got my, uh, my share of, uh, uh tickets in the festiva. Um, I got, uh, <laughs> I got pulled over one time on Christmas Eve. Uh, I was going to McDonald's to get some food and a cop, that was driving towards me, turned his lights on. And I was like, Oh, and I pulled into McDonald's in the drive-thru and he pulled in behind me and sat in the drive-thru until I got out of drive-thru. And he pulled me over because my inspection sticker was, um, out of date by a month. This is on Christmas Eve. I did not have good luck with, the uh, (laughs) police officers. And, uh, then i didn't have my insurance with me because it was it was uh, expired and so he wrote me a ticket for that but he said um you know if i if i showed that uh, i had insurance that they would let it go so um uh, i was uh, in in journalism class at the time i mean i was i was going to um uh, community college and taking journalism and i was doing uh, layout and design and so i made a fake insurance card <laughs> and took it to the police station and showed it to him. And they said, all right, well, we need to make a copy of it for our record. So they made a copy of it. And uh, and I went home, and I had made two copies. I'd printed out two, and I'd left one at the at home on the dinner table. My dad saw it, and he said, he said, oh, I see your insurance came in or whatever. And I said, yep, yep. And he said, that's funny that they misspelled Oklahoma on it. And I looked, and I had written right across the top, State of Oklahoma, O K A L H O M A, and I had already made the copy at the PlayStation. So I, I drove around for months thinking that uh, you know SWAT team was going to pull me over or something, but they never did. I guess that they, they were happy with uh, uh, the insurance card I had given them. Now here's here's a funny story. I have a few good stories about the Festiva. Um, here's one story. I'll tell you. Uh, actually I have three stories I'm thinking of. The first one is, uh, <clears throat> one time Andy and I were, were in the festiva and I was working at Best Buy at the time. And in the corner of the Best Buy parking lot, they were building a home Depot. So they were doing all this construction and we drove over there in the. it was during the winter. So it was cold and, um, you know, part of the parking lot was, was it, I guess it had rained or something. I don't remember cause there was a lot of standing water. And we decided that if we went fast enough in my car and then threw the the parking brake on, that I could like hydroplane on the water. And there was a big corner where there was a bunch of water over there. So uh, we we took the Festiva and we're driving really fast. And then we throw the parking brake and we're kind of sliding on the water. And all of a sudden, uh, apparently under the water in the corner, there was a giant hole. And the front of my car goes in the hole. So now... The front of my car is tipped forward at a 45 degree angle and water is starting to come in under the doors. Uh, and I mean, we are, uh, we're in trouble. (laughs) And so I'm like, get out, get out, get out, you know? And, uh, uh, and and Andy's like, don't open the door because all the water's going to come in. So we rolled the windows down and we jumped out of the car that way. And the hole was not as deep as what I thought, but the hole was probably two or three feet deep. So we were able to get in the hole and push my car backwards enough to where we could get it out of the hole. So we got the car out of the hole. I probably had an inch of water in the car, but the bigger problem was that Andy and I were now standing in freezing water. I mean, it was literally freezing outside. And so we get in the car and, um, I put on the heater and all this, and I'm like, I, I'm literally think we're going to have frostbite or hypothermia. So we decide the best thing would be to take our pants off <laughs> because our pants are soaking cold. So we take off our socks and shoes and our pants and we're <laughs> in our underwear and we drive back to my house in the, in the fest even. And then I got a, a shop vac and got the water out and it didn't hurt it. Didn't hurt it too bad. Um, then, um, let's see, you know, what? I do actually have a, a fourth story. I just, just remembered one. Uh, the second story in the festiva, this is again with Andy one night, um, there was a girl I worked with that was turning at a pizza place. She was turning 25 years old. I don't remember how old I was, 21, 22, something like that, but 25 seemed really old to me. I remember that. I, I, I'm sure I wasn't 21 actually. I was probably 19, and so um, she was turning 25, and so Andy and I thought, you know what would be a cool present? This girl would think what would be really cool is if we went and stole a street sign that said Speed Limit 25. Like, she would think that was really cool. And so um, so we went out in the festiva. Now, in a completely unrelated thing, earlier during the day, uh, I had this, this pellet gun that looked just like a forty-five. And we had been driving around like shooting, you know, signs and stuff with the pellet gun just to hear it, bing, you know, bounce off the sign. So we have this pellet gun. And, um, <clears throat> um, uh, so we go on this back road and we find a speed limit 25 sign and, um, uh, and we take it down and we stick it in the back of my car, like in the hatch, you know, but we don't want to, in case anybody sees us, we don't want to get caught. So there's the carpet in the back and we kind of put it under the carpet, you know? Uh, so we're driving back into town and, uh, all of a sudden the cop flashes his light on us and, uh, you know, the red lights are flashing. So we pull over and nobody comes up to the car. This is actually not far from where I live now, and it's right in front of this Waterburger. <laughs> so all these people in Waterburger are like looking, and then another cop car pulls up, and then another car, and eventually there are like four cars. And I'm like, oh my god, Andy! Like they know that we got the sign or something. I was like, don't say anything about the sign, you know, just be cool. And then they do what I now know is called a felony stop. I mean, I know this from, I guess, TV and things. Um, but they get on the loudspeaker and they start saying, you know, driver, you know, roll down your window, reach your hands out, open the door from the outside handle. Uh, you know, then they had me get out of the car, take two steps away from the car sideways, get down on my knees, put my hands behind my head and then lay down on the street. This is all in the you know the middle of public street, uh, with my hands out to my sides. Right. And then they do the same thing to Andy. Now, this was, uh, oh, 92, maybe. So this was after, like, uh, Boys in the Hood and some of these movies had come out. And we were listening to NWA. So we're both wearing, you know, I think I'm wearing a Raiders hoodie. And I don't know what Andy's wearing. But we're wearing, like, black hoodies and, and blue jeans and all this stuff. And um, so eventually the cops come and and take me and put me in the back of a car and take Andy and put him in the back of a car. Uh, and pat us down and everything, and basically they told us that there had been a bank robbery in the area, and we had matched the description of the bank robbers. Now, I really can't imagine that there were two bank robbers driving around in a Ford Festive. I guess it's possible, and the funny thing about this story is I have heard from people who have said that they have had similar experiences, that they were pulled over and we told that they matched the description of a bank robber. Um, so I have heard other people, t- you know, say that same thing, but I can tell you that it definitely did happen to me. Um, and so then they basically started, um, you know, going all through the car and I could see what they were doing. And then they put their hands like under the street sign and lifted it up and looked underneath there. And, um, but they never saw the sign. <laughs> so, um, and at some point during the day, we had, I think, run out of pellets or something. So we had left the pellet gun, uh, at, at uh, my apartment. And I always think like, if I had had that pellet gun, I wonder if they had, would have arrested us or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, we're just so fortunate we didn't have that pellet gun in the car at the time. But, uh, and then eventually they were like, I guess you're not the bank robbers. You can go. <laughs> And they let us go. No ticket, no anything. It was the weirdest experience, you know? And, and the worst part was when you were laying there in the street and I look up and there's like all these people inside Waterburger <laughs> looking out the window at us <laughs> laying in the street. It was such a, a weird, uh, uh, weird ex- experience, you know? So, um, now here's another story. Uh, one time we got ourselves into trouble in the festiva, uh, I was still working at the same pizza place and a buddy of mine was always having these late night parties. And so he said, Hey, why don't you, you guys uh, get some beer and and come meet us. And and I think I was 20, so I wasn't old enough to buy beer, but there were places I could buy beer. Um, but a coworker, this girl, uh, heard us that we were trying to buy beer and she said, I'll, I'll go with you and I'll buy it. So my friends came out in their car. I think two car loads of people came. Uh, and then I met them all there and then we were all leaving from the convenience store to go to my friend's, uh, house to go to a party. So, uh, as we're all getting into our cars to leave, to go to my friend's house, my friend Scott gets in the car. Uh, and Scott is, uh, I should just mention this for the story. He's really a hairy person. <laughs> He's covered in hair. I mean, really dark hair on his arms and legs and he was the kid that had a mustache his junior year of high school. And, and, um, uh, so, you know, he, he uh, was a Harry. And then this other girl got in the car and, uh, I was like, you know, so we're, we're driving, you know, over to my friend's house and it's the three of us. And I was like, Hey, who's your friend? And he's like, I, I don't know. And, uh, so she had, had been in one of the other cars, but I guess she decided our car looked like fun and she rode with us to the party. But literally a girl that neither of us knew. Um <clears throat> and so um we're going into to Yukon and um sure enough I get pulled over. Because I always got pulled over. And I had a headlight out, so that's why I got pulled over. So the cop pulls me over and comes over, and uh he's like, Well, doesn't look like anybody's wearing seat belts or whatever and I said, Oh, yeah, you know it happens, and you got a headlight out, yeah. Well, let me get everybody to step out of the car. So we all step out of the car and, um, the beer is, is in the back seat and we put it under like a pizza box, but, uh, that didn't, didn't fool the officer. (laughs) They're pretty good about that. Uh, so he sees the beer and uh, this was late at night. This was like one in the morning. Uh, and so, um, uh. They, he starts quizzing me, you know, and, and he immediately all these other cars show up because this is big to do in Yukon, you know, and so they put all of us, well, they put me in the squad car, so I'm in the passenger seat of the squad car, and my friend Scott is standing out there by my car, and then this girl is standing out there, you know, and so the cop comes against in the car, and he starts telling me all this stuff. He's like, so you want to tell me what you guys are doing? I was like, listen, we were going to a party and we bought some beer and we're, and we're taking it to a party. And he's like, and who's your friend? Who's that guy? I'm like, well, that's my friend, Scott. You know, and he's like, all right. And he goes, right. but he, wa- he won't call him Scott. He starts calling him Mr. Hairy Legs. So he's like, so your friend, you, and and I'm wearing a Pizza Hut outfit. And he's like, so Mr. Pizza Man and Mr. Hairy Legs go and buy some beer. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and he goes, and then we pick up, Miss Runaway. And I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, this is Miss T and Runaway. And I'm like, hey, I don't know anything about no Runaway. <laughs> and like, she just got in the car. He's like, so Mr. Pizza Man just gives rides to Runaways that he doesn't know. And I'm like, listen, it was, you know, it, it was all people that knew each other. We all got in the cars. We're all going to a party from here. And he's like, oh, okay. So, and he's like, and is, is, uh, Miss Runaway dating Mr. Harry Langs? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. I I don't think he knows who she is. I definitely don't know. I was like, I don't even know her name. He's like, oh, okay, Mr. Pizza Man, I'll be right back, you know. So then he gets out, he's talking to them and whatever. So at some point, uh he calls her parents, and it turns out Miss Runaway is 15 years old, which I had no idea. And I literally did not know who this girl was or what her name was. Um, so she's listed as a runaway. And so they call her parents. And so the cop comes back in the car. And he's like, well, we've called her parents and um, they may be filing a uh, statutory rape charges against you. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I don't think so. And he's like, oh yeah. You know, she's in your car. She's a runaway. and And I was like. I'm telling you what, like, and I'm, I'm bawling. I was like, I don't know any of these, you know, and he's like, well, you want to leave Mr. Harrylegs out to dry. That's on you, Mr. Pete's man. I'm like, (laughs) so then they call Scott's parents, Mr. Harrylegs, they call Mr. Harrylegs parents and say, um, we've picked your son up on the side of the highway. We need you to identify him. That's what they said to his parents. And this is like almost two in the morning. Now we've been sitting here for a long time. So his parents come screeching up in a car because they think he's been killed in an accident. His parents get there right at the same time as miss teen runaways. Parents get there. They get out of the car and they're yelling and Scott's parents get out of the car and they're yelling and Scott and the girl are yelling and I'm sitting in the front of the squad car and I'm like, I am going to jail. Like I, there's no way out of this. Now I had, uh, this was, I think in between college semesters. And so I was living at my parents' house and my parents had gone on vacation for the week and I had nobody to call. All I could think of at the time is who am I going to call for bail? Who am I going to call? So I don't sit in jail for a week, you know? And um, eventually the girl got into her parents' car and they drove off and Scott got into his parents' car and they drove off and the the other cop cars start leaving. And now it's just me in the cop car and my car and the cop gets in And it's a guy that recognizes me from going to community college. I had had a class with him. I had taken like a crime and punishment class and he had been in it. And he showed me a list of paper of infractions. It was, you know, uh, harboring a runaway, no seatbelts, headlight out, uh, you know, I mean just it just went on and on and on. Beer, you know, with three minors, possession of alcohol, you know. And uh he took that piece of paper and ripped it off and gave it to me and said <laughs> now now here's a funny thing. I lived like literally ten feet from Yukon. I lived on the other side of a road. That was technically Oklahoma city. So my license said Oklahoma city, but I went to Yukon schools. I worked in Yukon, you know, Yukon was my town. It just so happened that my license said Oklahoma city. I had a Yukon phone number and everything. It was just a technicality that it said Oklahoma city. The officer said to me, I don't ever want to see you in Yukon again. (laughs) I was like, am I officially banned from Yukon? And I, and I said, yes, sir. <laughs> and even when I left, I did a U-turn so I wouldn't have to go into Yukon. I left the other way. Uh, and of course I was in Yukon every day. I mean, I lived and did everything in Yukon, but yeah, that's what he told me. <laughs> don't come back to you. I don't want to see you in Yukon again. <laughs> and, uh, I had that piece of paper for a long time. I can't find it now, but, um, Oh the Festiva man, it was good times. I, I love that little car. And then one day, um, I was going to work, and I put it in reverse and backed out of the driveway and put it in drive, and it wouldn't go into gear. Uh, And I put it in reverse, and it wouldn't move at all. And the camshaft broke off – the actual camshaft broke off in the engine. Uh, And I called some places. I didn't know what had gone wrong. You know, I had somebody look at it. And I called around, and uh, they said because – it was – because of the way the engine was made, it was going to cost a thousand dollars to fix. And the blue book value of the car was $600. So, uh, I sold it to a coworker who said that, uh, her son could fix it. And I said, okay. And I was asking $200 and she said, he has a truck and can tow it. And I said, then I'll make a deal. And I sold it for $100 and a 10 pack of tacos, uh, is what I sold that festiva for. And, um, she asked me if I was kidding about the tacos. And I said, no. (laughs) So he showed up with a hundred bucks and a 10 pack of Taco Bell tacos. (laughs) And that's uh, what I sold it for. Uh, I needed a car. And so, um, my dad had a extra pickup. He had a 1987 Nissan pickup, uh, that uh, needed brake work. He had to pump the brakes or, or they would just skid all the time. So he, I basically, I built a computer for him And he gave me the truck. He was doing me a favor. Um, I don't really have any good stories about the truck. Um, (laughs) you remember when, um, everybody would get those, uh, this is a eighties kind of thing. Nineties thing. Everybody would get the fancy plastic wipers, like the wiper blades, but it was like the, the wipers were different colors and stuff. I kind of a pair of those one time, but they didn't latch on very good. And I was in that truck in a rainstorm. And, uh, i I flipped the wipers on high, and they went whoop, and the both the wipers flew off. actually one landed in the back of the truck. I don't know where the other one went, but uh <laughs> yeah, that was that truck, but um uh, you know, and then I started getting into um the mid nineties and I started getting into cars that I didn't destroy. I had a uh ninety six dodge neon we had a ninety nine uh Isuzu rodeo. Uh, let's see what else is on the list. I had a 1990. Oh, this, this car is a good story. I had a 1990 Suzuki Swift. That was basically the same thing as a Geo Metro. Uh, I was at work one day and I heard a coworker, uh, a lady, an older lady on the phone with her kids. And she said, you bought what you're going to do what I'm coming home right now. <laughs> and she hung up the phone and left. And so her kids had bought this car and said that they were going to build a ramp and jump it across a river. (laughs) And, uh, I think they paid 500 bucks for it or something. So, uh, anyway, she came to work the next day and said, my kids are selling the car if anybody wants it, but nobody wanted this thing for 500 bucks. So, uh, a coworker bought it for 200 and he said he was going to do all these cool things to it. And he had it for a month and didn't do anything. And then, so, uh, he sold it to me for 100 So I bought a Suzuki Swift Unseen for $100. I drove to Norman, which was, uh, that's where I go to school. It was like a 45-minute drive from me. And got there and saw this car for the first time. Now, the car had originally been red, but they had spray painted it white. Uh, there were white spray paint cans, about 20 of them in the back of the car. Uh, most of the interior panels were missing. Some of the glass was missing. The hood was missing. I think the hood may have been in the back, uh, but they had spray painted some of the engine silver and the um, hubcap or not hubcaps, but the actual wheels that were just plain wheels. They spray painted those silver and part of the tires too. Um, there were, it was a five speed. So it had five gears and neither gears two nor four worked because the transmission was bent. Uh, so you could go one and then three and then five, uh, and one of the wheels was bent. So I literally drove this thing doing about 40 miles an hour, uh, all the way back from Norman to my house and got it at my house and, um, uh, told my wife I was going to cut the roof off and I was going to do all these things. And she said, I'll make you a deal. Um, if you haven't done anything in three months with it, you have to get rid of it. And I said, okay, okay. So I had it for three months. I never touched it. And so I put it on eBay and I wrote this really funny, uh, ad for it, you know, like all these things, like, oh, the interior is custom designed by a Tasmanian devil and, and all these things. And, um, it, it was like getting shared and this is really before things went viral. Uh, but you know, it had like 50,000, 60,000 views, something like that. Like it was, you know, had really been shared around Uh, and I sold it for 125 bucks. I paid a hundred. So I made 25 bucks and I had to spend, I think I spent, well, I bought two cans of fix a flat (laughs) and uh, I sold it to a a kid that said he was going to turn it into a car stereo competition car. And I was like, you should really come look at this thing before you, you pay for it. You know, and he came and looked, he said he loved it. And, um, uh, my wife is a notary. So I was like, we're going to sign the title right now. You give me the money and, and, uh, and, and we'll do the title. So that's what we did. And, um, uh, I talked to him like two days after that. And he said that he had parked it somewhere and was going to come back and get it. And the police thought it was a vandalled car and they impounded it. And the police wanted 200 to get it out of impound. And he had paid one twenty five for the car. And so he just let them have it. <laughs> so that was the end of that. Uh, I had a, uh, a Chevy Astro for a while. I had the Geo Tracker that I talked about um, on the car stereo one. That's one I put the big giant system in. Uh, a Honda Shadow motorcycle. I had a Yamaha R1 motorcycle. Uh, that is the fastest thing I've ever ridden, been on, in, near, you name it. Um, the. Uh, The book on the uh, R1 said the top speed was 188, but that's because they uh, put a governor on it that limits it to 188 because that's what the tires are rated for. Um, I I took it out one time and I had a coworker that had a motorcycle that thought his motorcycle was fast. And I have been on fast motorcycles. Um, And I just decided to open it up to see what it would do. And I was going so fast that the wind was blowing my helmet. I couldn't hardly see uh, I was, you know, it, it was too fast. And I looked down, it had a big digital speedometer and I looked down and it said 155 and I, it had more in it, but I was like, it's just too fast. And there were many, many, many times where I'd be on the interstate and I would give it too much gas and I could feel the front wheel lifting up. Uh, it, it was just too, that bike was too fast. Um, and, uh, so I ended up getting rid of it. I got rid of it because. I was scared of it. I mean, I had it for several years, but, uh, I just knew I was going to get killed on that thing. So that's, uh, that's why I got rid of that. Uh, and then we kind of get into the modern stuff. My my wife had a Honda Odyssey for a while. I have it. I bought a a Chevy Avalanche. Um, so 2006, I bought it 10 years ago and I still have it. I bought a, uh. Uh, as my little third fun car you know just like my parents I bought a Scion, the xb the little box things i liked the original ones and it was really underpowered it was really kind of a slug you know i i, I liked the way it looked but um uh didn't uh, just didn't perform you know uh, my wife bought a honda cross tour it, it's um uh on the, uh, the um, i think it's on the honda accord frame but it's uh, all wheel drive and it's a hatchback and she still has that. She likes it. Uh, we bought a couple other things and then, um, I guess I'll, I'll close this out with, uh, the, the third car that I have now, uh, on my wife's 40th birthday a couple of years ago. Uh, I didn't know what to get her for her birthday. You know, we were going to have a little party and I bought a few things here and there. And she was really excited for her birthday. And, uh, that day she told me that she had ended up buying me a car for her birthday, which makes no sense at all. And she said, you know, I'd been talking about this car and all this. Now I talk about a lot of cars, you know, but, uh, she said, I'd really been talking about this. And so she bought me now. And when I say she bought me, I mean, you know, we're still making payments on it, but she bought me a 2013, a brand new Subaru. WRX STI. So WRX is their sports car and STI is the sport tuned version of their, their sport car. Um, it, it is fast. It is the fastest car I'm sure that I've owned. Um, you know, I, I said, I had that Dodge neon and my Dodge neon was pretty quick, but I looked it up, uh, and a Dodge neon will run about a 16 second quarter mile. Uh, and, and a, uh, I looked up, uh, a, a Pontiac, uh, formula firebird. It'll run a 17.7 second quarter mile. Uh, the, my Subaru runs a 13 second quarter. Not that I take it to the track, but it runs a 13 second. I mean, it's way faster than any car I've owned. Um, and, um, and I've had it for three years and, uh, right now I think it has, I have to go look, but 13 or 14,000 miles on it. I mean, it has almost no miles it sits in the garage i take it out when i want to go have fun you know it's it's that third car i take it out and uh and we have a good time uh driving it and stuff but it's not you know a daily driver so uh and amazingly i have not got a ticket in it <laughs> so that's that part is good i think i've learned my lesson on that um so i know uh, this has been kind of a long one and uh you know But it's been fun. I've really enjoyed going down and reminiscing about some of these cars. If you uh, are are still here and you're interested, if you go to com forward slash cars, or if you look on the left-hand side of com, there's a link that says every car I've ever owned. You can see pictures of every car I have mentioned on this podcast. I have photos of every single one of them from the Yugo to the WRX. All of them are on there. So if you want to... Uh you see pictures of any of those, see pictures of the Doom Buggy or anything like that, they're all on there. So uh but that's that's every car that I've ever owned. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at RoboHara at RoboHara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the you don't know flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You don't know flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the you don't know flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net. Your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64 themed podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flat.